You're listening to Balancing Skincare and Samosas. I'm your host, Supreet Sohi, Master Esthetician and Skincare Consultant. I help women of color break through beauty standards to find their individual skincare and wellness journey. Join me every week as we touch on a topic that will help you with your journey. Entrepreneurship. Um... I think I've always been into entrepreneurship. I always dreamed of like starting my own business. Um, My father is a serial entrepreneur. And so I grew up watching him um, with our family company called Palace Foods, which is a food manufacturing business. Uh And then um, basically, you know, I was getting ready for college. I was a student athlete at the time. And I was going on all these recruiting visits, and I knew I wanted to study business. I didn't know exactly what part. I was really interested in marketing, um, but I was, you know, open-minded to all of it. And when I was going on these visits, I realized, I was like, Dad, there's no vegetarian food. I've been a vegetarian since I've been 11, but I was like, Dad, there's no flavor. There's nothing, anything like Indian food, Um Like, I don't know how I'm going to go to college and not be able to come home and eat. (laughs) I was really worried because I was, you know, I was going to be an athlete. I ate food all the time. So, yeah, basically that's when him and I started playing around in the kitchen of, like, my favorite meals. Um, I typically ate South Indian food growing up. A lot of lemon rice, tamarind rice, um... And everything, and rasam and things like that, obviously sambar. And so we started trying to figure out how can we put something in a jar? And all I would need to do when I'm at school is either take the jar with me to the cafeteria or go to the Chinese food restaurant next to my dorm and get a quart of rice and just mix it in. Like you were, like if you were to put sauce, like pasta sauce over um, pasta. Mm-hmm. And so that's when. <laughs> Sambar Kitchen was born and I just remember him like nurturing me through developing a logo um and all the different styles that you know I was able to like say my input and watch this thing come to life and these labels come to life and you know going to the, like the t-shirt place in the mall and being like can you please like put this logo like embroidered on a shirt <laughs> and and so going into college I was like okay yeah I definitely want to study business um I definitely want to do branding and I was always very fortunate enough to have someone guide me um because I think my father he, you know he was always very talkative and you know really great at networking and also just happened to be kind of like an accidental entrepreneur. Like, I don't think anyone goes in saying like, like back in the day, you didn't really hear what that was, right? Like, or at least I didn't growing up. And so like now entrepreneur has this great, like glamorous connotation to it. And it's like, that's the farthest thing from the truth. Usually it's accidental and it just happens with a lot of like late nights and testing and trial and error. Um, so I will say I ended up declaring marketing and entrepreneurship as my double major in school, but entrepreneurship was probably the biggest waste of a major. <laughs> um, not that I didn't learn anything. It's just like the only 
real knowledge you're going to get uh, from entrepreneurship is just going out and doing it yourself and figuring out. So, yeah. Hello? 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 Can you still hear me? Yes, now I can. Okay. I was saying, so how did you go from creating all these labels? Did, you know, there was probably some mistakes on the way. Hello? Hello? Sorry, you keep cutting out. I'm not sure why. No problem. It's me, my connection. I was like, like, in your journey, you probably had some, like, you know, you know, this logo didn't work out or, you know, didn't, this didn't go well or this big win. What did you think that helped change your path and made yours yours? Well, specifically with the logo, I'll share a funny story. Um, <laughs> so I'm in high school and I, you know, my father is an Indian father, so I don't, I don't do a lot of, you know, things that are against the household rules, but um we come up with the lawn logo and we're like all right we need to we need to get curry leaves like on our on our logo right like that's what we use to cook and I'm I'm thinking of all the spices that I pull um you know from our thing to when I make my mac and cheese spicy growing up and I'm thinking and I'm like okay so then we're working with the designer and one comes back and the curry leaves look like weed leaves like marijuana leaves and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, Dad, we can't use that. He's like, why not? I go, and I'm like, really, really scared to say it. And I'm like, because I'm like, I don't want him to think that, you know, I smoke weed because like, I never did. And like, I'm an athlete and I'll, I won't be able to run in college if I do that. But, you know, I'm like, trying not to say it. And he's like, what? Like, what's the wrong with it? I think it's great. And like, you know, once my dad likes something, he just likes to roll with it. But like, obviously he wants my opinion because I'm taking these to college and like sharing them with my friends and my professors and stuff and I go dad they look like weed leaves and he goes what no they don't (laughs) and so then of course he goes to all of his um business friends and network and starts asking and I'm going around to you know I, I'm like going around to some of my friends not taking it to school because I'm like I don't want people to know and like I'm not sure but Anyways, long story short, someone gave him a piece of advice and he said, that's the best marketing that you can get. It's eye grabbing. He's like, it's not, it's not weed leaves. They're, they're clearly curry leaves. Um, But if you can get a logo that grabs someone's attention, you know, you're cutting some of your marketing costs and advertising costs. So that's so true, right? (laughs) And I was like, and I think that was a very, very valuable lesson I learned at a young age about marketing and something that still to this day, I, at least with my marketing program, I did not learn at my school, right? So our advertising uh, major and our marketing major were separate and advertising was not even in the business school. It was in the school of communications. And so the graphic and the more creative side of marketing was not really talked about as much in the business school. Um, We did eventually my senior year have a branding class that I think 
you know, the professor was amazing. Um, he was a high level uh, position at P&G. And so he actually, you know, put together a project where, he, where we also had to create our own brand, work with the graphic designers from the other, you know, school and pitch in front of his P&G um, colleagues. And so I think that was probably one of the best business courses I have ever taken at Xavier. And, but I remember like carrying that into my project, um, everything that I learned, you know, in high school, going into college with logo design and, you know, how to build a brand is like, it needs to be either relatable or it needs to grab your attention. And, um, and then, you know, doing all the other things like storytelling and colors and, um, you know, making it come to life. It's, it's sort of like animation. So, um, yeah, I'm really fortunate that I learned that at a young age. And I will say like, at least in the beginning, that was one of the things that we had many dinner conversations, or if you want to call them arguments. over it. <laughs> yeah. That so. is amazing. So as you progressed and this amazing product was made, so where else can you find your product? Where else do you promote it? Yeah, so recently, um, I specifically love digital marketing. And that's what my focus has been at least over the last like, three or four years. And so um, I basically graduated um, and then came back to my hometown and helped build the our e-commerce site, right? So we are in... Whole Foods in some of the Philadelphia stores. Um, we actually, um, there's a new e-commerce site called Kula Village, um, which is basically focused on carrying products that are from different cultures and elevating minority business owners. And so you can find us at sambarkitchen.com, Kula Village, some Philadelphia local stores, and then um, Amazon, of course. Oh, wow. That's like an easy one, right? That's easy. Put it on your Instagram card. Or exactly. sorry, your prime shop. <laughs> yes, yes. All of them. <laughs> yep. So that's amazing. And so what will your be? What will your favorite recipe be then? Okay, so I love doing the lemon roasted potatoes, um, which mm-hmm. also just goes really well with like the lemon rice. Like a lot of people just love doing that because it's quick, easy. And that's what I usually did in college. Um, the China Masala won the good food award this year in 2020, um, for the pantry section. Yeah. So I, I love that one, but hands down, my favorite is our new product, which I think speaks at least most to my upbringing, right? So it's the pasta and pizza sauce with Indian flair. And, that like my mom is American. She she was born here. There's Indian. They broke the arranged marriage rule, and my mom would travel on the weekends for work. So we would, you know, my dad would either feed us, my grandmother would feed us, or we would go out to eat. But if my dad was cooking, and if my grandmother was too tired to cook, we would always make like mac and cheese, and fix it with mustard seed onion mm. and same with the pasta sauce like we put all of our traditional indian spices to make it 
better to make it more Indian. We would go when we would go out to eat, we would take leftovers home because we always ordered too much food and we would what we would say fix it. And I think what's so interesting is like if you would talk to, you know, an American chef, well what is there to fix? But for us it it, it needs this little spice, this flair, this fix. And so I think that this sauce is just so true to how I feel, at least when I go to restaurants or when I'm, you know, I just always want flavor. Like when I would sit in the cafeteria at school and I would miss home, I would just end up taking a to-go box of whatever I was eating and going back to my dorm and fixing it (laughs) with these jars that I had sitting on my shelf. (laughs) That's so funny. We are actually known, like, I've seen people, other people do it as well, you know, having hot sauce in their purse, you know, sometimes we need that little flavor, like when you go to a restaurant, because it's like, some people don't believe in it, like even salt. I recently looked at a restaurant, I'm like, they don't even have salt in their food. And I'm like, well, everybody's <laughs> diet's different. I completely understand that. But any interesting ones, like any off the record, like recipes that we should try? Okay. So going off my, again, the pasta pizza sauce, which I don't even know how we came up with this, but we take the sauce as a base and we put chickpeas in it. I approximately a jar of unsweetened coconut milk and spinach and let it sit in a pot and we have made that like our new soup slash stew um it was at our Christmas party this past year um because it was still a Christmas time it was still in the development phase and it was a hit at the Christmas party and it was a hit throughout the whole winter um and I I basically like we would never at least I would never look at a pasta sauce on the shelf and be like, oh, I'm going to go make a soup out of it. And yeah, that's what's been is like, it's so versatile, right? So I know that at least our customers, I don't personally eat fish, but I know they love our mango coconut and pineapple coconuts for fish, which I'll, I mean, of course, in some parts of India, fish is very popular, but if you're a strict vegetarian, you know, you don't really hear these recipes. So I think Although I have my favorite recipes, it's been really interesting to see what our customers have come up with, too. Yes, because then they have, like, a diverse um, palette as well. So you get to experience that through their posts and reposts. Right, and that's what's really exciting about seeing the brand grow is just taking the appreciation for really traditional, you know, recipes and arrangements of spices that you know that's what we've put into these jars um they have you know they they remind me of some of the way like my grandmother cooks and and my dad cooks and even my mother when she learned from my grandmother um but then they put their own twist and I think that says so much for at least um the American culture and second generation Indian people is that you know we're not just some of us here in westernized culture we're not just indian we're a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. and and so i love like although like the terminology and things like oh indian food is just curry it drives me up a wall because it's not true and i you know it does affect our sales because there are some people that 
say like, oh, we don't know what to do with it. And I understand like they were not, no one was born and raised to know that Indian food is not just like, it's not curry, mm-hmm. right? Curry is, you know, something almost made up. But it, it wh- what I appreciate is seeing the fusion aspect and seeing people take traditional Indian spices and have an appreciation for it um, and appreciate that it is derived from Indian culture. It's one thing to appropriate and you know take things as your own. It's a different thing to appreciate a culture and make it something that you can bond over family dinner, mm-hmm. with, right? So that, that's my way. Of oh my God, that's so it. true. There was like a moment in my life where, so I, my I'm Sikh so we're traditionally vegetarian and but I mm-hmm. ate meat I was like a carnivore straight up I ate everything <laughs> and then when I right. turned vegan and vegetarian start I started off vegetarian there was nothing you could eat and I was eating like American food like your pastas and your pizzas and this and that and then when finally when I decided I wanted to do vegan Indian food was the only thing that hit home literally it was just simple easy as much as I think our generation has like watched our parents struggle and cooking it it's really not that hard and especially when with products like yours you know we get to try these blends and create our own little you know recipes at home yeah and and that's the thing is like I think that I never took enough time to learn from my grandmother the way that I wished I had growing Mm -hmm. up. Um, But enough that, you know, I'm able to know fundamental basics of what to put in an Indian dish, right? Like if I had to go cook one from scratch, I more than likely could now. I'm really happy that my grandmother's now teaching me <laughs> and he, he's a great chef, but also like I, my lifestyle, like with my working schedule, my freelance schedule, um, my advocacy schedule, like I need stuff on the go. Like I, I just, you know, I rather have it be in a jar and that I can mix and, you know, keep moving, keep working, keep hustling. But at the same time, I really care if food is good mm-hmm. <laughs> and not all the on the go meals you get are great. And that's that's OK. It's just um, that's just what I look for in a product. Um, so I wanted to make sure that was being put out into the oh, world. Oh, definitely. Well. Like as a mom of two, it's hard to find something like that, especially Indian. You know, there's nothing, you know, you go to your typical brands but they also aren't really clean ingredients. Um, so that's something that we look at as a family a lot at the ingredients that's involved in these packages. So how do you balance family life with business? Well, I work with family. <laughs> so um, there's not really a balance. <laughs> um, no, but in all, in all seriousness, um, I mean, I'm sure you would understand this, especially like in the Indian culture and then also just working with family doesn't matter if you're Indian or, or not. Um, it's not like work never stops, but it's also like work never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and it's not the thing is though when when you're passionate about something it's not work right so although like no matter what it is you have to commit the time like the the nine to five schedule is is not a bad thing especially when you like the work that you do but for me is like ah uh, you know I can sweat my time clock and and say I'm working, but at the same time, like I have no issue answering an email at ten o'clock at night because to me, what matters is getting this brown this brand out there in the world. And with family, I'm not afraid to say, "Hey, Dad, we have this and this and this that we need from the batch tomorrow that we're running, and we need to make sure this order gets to this person by Friday." Like it doesn't feel like it's hindering our family relationship. Mm. Um, if anything, it it's who we are, right? Of course, you know, sometimes like my sister or my mom or whoever is at the dinner table will be like trying to change the subject and that's fine. We'll just go along with it. But the one thing to know about at least with my mentality and my father's mentality specifically is like, we're always working like even when we're sleeping we're thinking of the next idea we're thinking of the next plan and i'm not saying it's healthy I'm really <laughs> not. <laughs> um but i wouldn't i wouldn't want to change that part of myself because i think it, it there's a bigger purpose for it like whether it means you know something good's coming my way or that I learn a life lesson from it, I don't know. Um, so I can't say that I balance family or work. It is just like who we are. Of course. So like you're, that's so common. Like I do that with my husband. Like I, it's hard when, you know, the, your it's your family. Like my husband's like my best friend, my business partner. So like you're constantly talking about it and it's hard to balance it. But I think it's also exciting and motivating too, like you're saying. So is there anything exciting new coming for Somber? Yeah, so we're really amplifying on this uh, fusion thing that we've got going on. Um, We really like um, the response to the pasta sauce. um, And we're actually trying to bring in other cultures that specifically, like, we appreciate as far as food and cuisine so we grew up like also eating a lot of indo chinese chinese food thai food um mexican food and we want to collaborate and work with chefs that um from our local area on creating something that they feel excited about too that you know goes along with that fusion um fusion concept yeah definitely so I think yeah I think what's exciting is like we don't have a tikka masala right and we'll we'll create it we'll get to it but again we know that like tikka masala is not necessarily Indian it was you know developed in Europe and 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 yes a lot of people associate tikka masala with Indian food would it help our sales more than likely um but for us is like we want to say authentic to our family's traditions yeah. and North India and South India, the foods, the cultures, the language, it's all very, very different. 
and not to say that we don't want to, you know, be inclusive or produce those recipes. It's that we, we, a lot of the brands tailor towards the American predominantly white consumer. Mm -hmm. And again, not to say that we're not trying to do that, but we want to put a product out that we can make as authentic as possible as to my grandmother putting a meal on the table, right? With manufacturing purposes and all the, you know, FDA stuff, it's, we're going to get it to as close as a home cooked meal that we can get. And I don't believe every brand does that. Um, And so I think that we can do that with better right now with some of the other products. Um, And that's what I'm most excited about is just to be different, to embrace all aspects of my Indian American culture and my love for every kind of spicy food out there. And, and not even spicy, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, my American boyfriend can handle better spice than I can, but, um, flavor, flavor and, and blends and, um, just something that, you know, fulfills you rather than like, makes you feel like you have to go get another meal after having a meal. Love that. Love that. And I love that how you touched on the tikka masala. I think there's a lot of, you know, we think that's Indian and it's not, and names have been like changed and, like how you mentioned with the history with the tikka masala, I think that that's, that's knowledge for our audience. You know, I don't think people, even me being born knew that. And someone that's actually interested in food actually would know the concept of it. You know, a common person wouldn't really know that, but yeah, I love that. So as, what do you see with Sombra overall and what's your big goal for Sombra? I mean, I think just to keep growing it and getting it in as many stores as possible while also capitalizing on those online sales. Um, I just want to be able to get those people that may have been afraid to try Indian food, Mm. get the jar in their hands and say, Hey, this is not all spicy. This is, this is just flavor. This is something new. You can handle this. You, you might like this. And uh, I remember even in the beginning of the pandemic, I was in the grocery store and I was, I saw this couple in the international food aisle and they were looking at trying to figure out what to get. And they were a young couple, uh, millennial, I would say. And, and they were like, they were trying to discuss, well, I don't know, like, should we get vindaloo or butter chicken? I don't know. Like, which one do you think is spicier? Like, is there a spice meter? Like all these things they were talking about as a couple. And, you know, of course I was eavesdropping and I said hey can I help you like I I have an Indian food brand myself but I eat a lot of Indian food is there something I could recommend for you and they're like yeah we eat out all the time we're not used to cooking at home (laughs) and and so we don't know like what to get I'm like well what do you like do you do you like spicy food Uh, do you like Indian well we're not really sure we've eaten at a couple Indian restaurants but nothing was ever that spicy but we do like spicy food so, of course, compared to butter chicken, I'm going to recommend the Vindaloo. And so, yeah, I thought that was so such an interesting experience for me, not only as a person that, you know, promotes a food brand, but an Indian food brand, but as, a, as an Indian woman, grown up very American, grown up going out to eat. And also, I don't cook a lot from scratch. My partner does that. My, my grandmother does that. So to 
but I can cook from scratch. That's the difference. There was these people that had no idea like what to cook for the night. And so that's why I was like, it was just a reminder of like, people do need this. People do want to try it, but they go to the international food aisle and they get overwhelmed and it's okay to be overwhelmed in a store. But of course, you know, I don't know what it is about, I guess the American consumers that like, if they don't know what they're buying they're it's like, they're going to be shamed or something like, no. <laughs> um, and so I think that, you know, at least for someone who's not familiar with Indian food is like, don't be ashamed of it. Don't feel scared. Just take the leap, try it. If you don't like it, then you don't like it. Like that's the one thing I always growing up when, you know, you look at spinach and you say, ew, as a kid, no, you would have your father and your mother scream at you. no, take two bites two bites why not oh, I just only want one bite please don't make me eat it no take two bites you have two bites I love spinach you know what I mean like it's just one of those things try it before you cancel it and say you don't like yeah it. <laughs> and there's so many different recipes and you know you can differently try I don't think you should give up that easily either like I think that's my mentality when it comes to food too I think I try everything and I'll try it once or twice and like different mm-hmm. forms, you know, if it didn't work out in this way, maybe I'll like it, you know, in a different form, you know, like, right. and I, exactly. I think that's what, that's what's so fun about food is you can experiment and try and, you know, that's how you're going to figure out stuff, right? That's a lot of uh, people's uh, same reaction with, with tofu, the first time they try tofu. Oh my gosh, I'm never eating yes. it again. It was terrible. <laughs> well, then they go eat tofu with me. And then they're like, can we go back to that place and get those drunken noodles and the way you had that tofu? And I'm like, are you sure you don't want chicken? I won't be offended if you cheat. No, I want tofu. Okay, we'll go. Yeah, <laughs> right. You just got to try it. You can yeah. just try it. So as you've been through this journey, what is your, like, your fondest memory, like, cooking and with who? Oh... Through this whole journey or lately? Ah, I guess lately. I think quarantine has been a shift, right? Yes. Um, so I have an interesting relationship with food. So we'll get a little personal here. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you could say my fondest memories with food were when my dad and I first started creating the these sauces and these jars and the taste testing that we were doing and the mess that we were making in the kitchen and then my mom yelling at us, like that's all great memories. Like, because we're all at the, you know, around the counter making a mess, doing it together, trying it, saying what we don't like. Like, it's just bantering. Like those are, those are great times, at least in high school, especially with my, when my friends came over and things like that. But then I went to college and, um, you know, it was hard. And I, and there were a lot of times that when I wanted to avoid the cafeteria because of didn't want to see this person or that person, like Sambar kitchen was there. The microwave was there. The leftover rice from Chinese food was there, but then other aspects started changing and my relationship with food started changing. And I started doing things that, you know, I wasn't eating as much food or, um, you know, just that, that unhealthiness that one can get from stress and trauma. And so finally, when I moved back home, back to my roots, back to, you know, full-time Sambar Kitchen and a partner who loves to cook and can cook, um, my latest fondest memories have been (laughs) 
simply eating and then also my partner cooking with my grandmother on my Indian side and watching and actually finally like making that time with her to watch what she makes and how she makes it and how she'll never measure and you know how she'll also make a mess in the kitchen but like it's really special because it's it you because you appreciate it for what it is which is an art and every time I also watch you know my partner cook it's an art um when I watch my mom cook it's an art so I think those like at least over the pandemic and coming back home that's what has been great oh that's so amazing I love that I grew up with both sons of my grandparents, so I love grandparent stories. I think they're, like, the most, uh, makes me all watery. <laughs> Aww, that's great. So yeah. you mentioned trauma. What kind of trauma did you go through? Can we talk about that? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, um hard because I was a student athlete like I said and I started getting injured like I got injured towards the end of high school got injured again in college and then I had health problems with anemia which is an iron deficiency um which is another reason I hold home cooking and Indian cooking specifically to like so close to my heart is because I I really really believe that you know, that kind of cooking with the lentils, the spices, it helps boost your metabolism. It gives you that protein. You know, you're eating yogurt rice at the end of every meal, every night before you go to bed and getting those probiotics. Um, And when that stopped, um, anemia was really just the hardest thing for me. I was obsessive with running. I was obsessive with you know, winning and trying to be good. And in college running, it's everyone who was good in high school. And at Division One, it's every elite runner that was good in high school. And so that adjustment became overwhelming for me. And then on top of it, I, you know, wasn't allowed to date in high school, started dating. And didn't meet the best people or people that were not ready for a relationship in the way that I held the standard of relationships. Like obviously like in the Indian culture, I believe we hold relationships to a different standard than one might at 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is, which is fine. It's just, it's just the way that I was raised. And I didn't, I didn't realize that it was different. Um, on top of that I was um sexually assaulted and that was kind of one of the turning points at least with running my health and my relationship with food um I started believing that if I was really really fast and I could make varsity and do really well at the Big East Conference meet um, that everything would go back to normal. And, you know, I would forget about this thing that happened to me. And I didn't. Um, and this 
problem with food started happening and I just, you know, I would either binge and, you know, try to make myself sick or I just wouldn't eat. But, you know, no one noticed because I was still a runner and I had to be thin and I, you know, still look strong. But it was one of those things that like when I said I was going over to the study lounge to do some to study, I was just making sure I was going down to like another bathroom. And so I started to have this hatred towards food and good food specifically, because if it was good, that means I wanted to eat more of it. Um, and then the year, even my, it was specifically my sophomore year of college, but the year got worse, um, because there was an incident of harassment that I also started to face that where I really felt, you know, threatened. And I felt like my friends lie or friends, like safety was in jeopardy. And so it became like, I didn't even know who I was or where I was anymore. Like I, like my connection with running was essentially lost. Um, My purpose for wanting to be at the school and study marketing was lost. Um, But (laughs) luckily entrepreneurship has always been one of those blessings that I've had. And it's been one of those things where, I was able to take this event that happened to me and say, all right, what am I going to do to make it beautiful? Right. Just, just like cooking, you're, you're, you're dealt with, you know, some vegetables in the fridge and you look at the fridge, you're like, what the heck am I going to make? And then all of a sudden you turn it into this beautiful meal that you want to keep eating 10 plates of. Well, so I started doing advocacy work. I started being more of an activist on campus and trying to educate people on sexual violence on college campuses started doing a bunch of campaigns and, um, you know, building a, a, a side project that eventually I still want to be a company, but basically everything that I learned growing up and more again, with that passion is what really, I believe helped me earn my marketing degree. It was not what was in the classroom. I will say that right now. Um, and my professors knew that they knew that about me. That was the type of, um, reputation I started to build. I said, you know what? Like, I'm not going to be known as this, you know, person that I wanted to come in as an athlete. I wanted to represent the school. I, you know, I wanted to make the university proud and that wasn't working out. And so I, and then all this stuff happened. And then on top of it, I got in, uh, a, another really, really bad relationship. And uh, that, you know, kind of just made my experience really, really, really hard. But like, if there's anything I learned, one from running and one from my family is like, you don't stop, you just keep going and you keep fighting. Um, And so to leave my mark and to, you know, kind of reclaim who I was and my reputation, I made sure that any sort of campaign or project or, you know, student business that was, you know, I was helping on consulting that people remembered me for that work and the good that I did for the university. Um, Because not that I needed people's validation or respect, but it helped me say, I am more than what 
you know, happened to me. I'm more than this trauma. I am more than what these people did to me. And I'm not going to let that stop my life. Um, and now I, I also believe that any business, it doesn't matter what it is, can always, you know, contribute to social impact. And which is why, you know, in April with Sexual Assault Awareness Month, um, with Sambar, we were doing buy one, give one. The women's shelters, domestic violence and sexual assault shelters in local areas always need food. They always need donations. They always need clothes. They, they, they always need something. These, these women are running for their lives, sometimes with young children, and coming to the shelter hoping to reclaim their life. And so that's why, you know, I wanted to, I want to find ways to give back to those shelters as much as I can. Um, And even if I can't do it on a large scale, I knew that I could say, hey, everyone buy a pineapple coconut because it's the the teal color, right? And teal represents um, sexual assault awareness. And so I was like, everyone buy one jar and I'll donate another jar to the shelter. And And not only is that, like, great for putting a product in someone's hands, but, like, you're buying something that's going to help give someone dinner and possibly, like, restart their life. And, like, so for me, like, those kind of purchases mean more than me actually eating a meal for myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's amazing. You took your trauma and totally used it to your advantage, basically. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's just, like, I knew, like, during that time, like, I didn't tell, you know, my parents for a while, and I didn't, you know, that it, at least in the Indian culture, and, you know, growing up with, you know, not being allowed to date, and um, just even the mere topic of sex is not something that is talked about, but came to realize one (laughs) sex is not rape and rape is not sex Mm. and so when I was able to tell you know my family of course they were devastated um but they know that's not going to define me and I've proven to them that that's not what's going to define me because they know the type of person I am they know the child that I was you know, running and all the other passions that I, I had growing up. But what's really, really hard, I believe, is that time period where you can't turn to anyone or you can't turn to friends or you can't turn to a counselor or your family or, or just and you let it fester. And so the only reason I do the work that I do is to help help someone else figure out how they want to heal not telling telling your story is not the way everyone heals and I don't believe that's the way that everyone heals but knowing that you're not alone is and for how cliche it sounds it is really really helpful to know that you're not alone because there was a point where I thought I was and my life changed when I found out I wasn't and and I I will make sure someone knows that they're not alone every single day. That's amazing. You've accomplished so much mm-hmm. at, at such a small age. 
and even to go through a trauma like that and that's just amazing thank you i mean i i i like a lot of things other than like you know my advocacy work like i think sometimes at least specifically um activists and advocacy people it's easy to get consumed in trying to heal and helping others Mm. and you know fighting for systems that don't necessarily protect you but that's not all of you and that's why I'm more than grateful for you know having Sambar Kitchen and like having activities and passions that have nothing to do with you know my trauma or or triggers and like just having that look not everyone has the comfort of home and I'm fortunate enough to have that privilege and which is why I only hope to spread the importance of culture, family, home, roots, wherever you call that grounding. Um, it's important for anyone to have that sense of, you know, belonging. And if I can do that with food, if I can do that with writing, if I can do that with, you know, telling stories, then great. You know, I've I've done my part in the world, but if we all did a little bit more of that, um, I think it would help a lot of things. So true. If we all did our part right, it'd be a little bit easier. Exactly. Well, yeah. I thank you so much for joining me today on all my podcasts. And can you tell us how we can follow you in your journey and also somber? Yeah, so Sambar Kitchen is just sambarkitchen.com and at Sambar Kitchen on Instagram, we're on Facebook, on Pinterest, it's Sambar Kitchen Recipes where you can find all the things that we're trying out, um, LinkedIn, and then me, <laughs> I guess you can go to davyjags.com and at davyjags on Instagram, Twitter, um, always talking about something so feel free to (laughs) dm or chat (laughs) that's amazing well thank you so much and i can't wait to connect with you again yes take care you too bye bye thank you for joining me on balancing skincare and samosas Join me every week as we touch on a topic that will help you get closer to your skincare and wellness journey. Add me on Instagram at skinsutra underscore supreet. And you can find me at www.skinsutraskincare. See you next week.